0: The greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its leaders and volunteers. Every week, founder of the Community of Big Hearts, Stu Starkey, will place the spotlight on leaders and volunteers, highlight key stories and statistics, and share insights to educate listeners and inspire everyone to have greater impact in their communities. Welcome to the Community of Big Hearts. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the community of big hearts today. We do not have Stu. Unfortunately, he's a little bit under the weather, but we have myself, Damien, who is very excited to introduce Tim Coldwell, the president of Shandos construction. They are hundred percent employee owned and are the first and largest B Corp certified commercial general contractor in North America. Tim is an Indigenous entrepreneur, an advisor to San Francisco's Center for Innovation in the Design and Construction Industry, past board chair of the Integrated Project Delivery Alliance, Edmonton Construction Association, and was a recipient of Canada's top 40 under 40 in 2020. Wow, that's a lot. Tim, how are you doing today?
1: It's great to be here.
0: Fantastic. We've been looking forward to this interview for quite some time. Your organization is a leader in the construction industry and is known for your innovation and collaboration. So can you tell us a bit about uh, Shandos?
1: Yeah, we so we describe ourselves as a purpose-driven national technical builder. Uh, that's leading change in the Canadian construction industry. Uh, the purpose-driven part, uh, we are 100% employee-owned. Uh, we're the world's largest B Corp certified contractor. Um, the cool part about our employee ownership is that less than 40% of the equity is controlled by executives. And so, we very much work for the people who are doing the work. Um, and um, we recently made a commitment uh, to net zero by 2040, including our supply chain. So, you know, that's the purpose-driven components, uh, the, high, the high points there. Um, national is just that. We've got seven offices across the country and technical builder is a nice way for us to say uh, we're not the best contractor to build a warehouse in a field, four walls and a roof. Uh, we like complexity. And uh, so that's a little bit about the organization.
0: Fantastic. And you've been at Shandos for quite some time 15 years uh, before presidency, and since then about five plus years, correct?
1: Yeah, that's right. I um, like my personal story is uh, I saw myself identify as an at risk youth. I was going to be in a cardboard box on the street unless someone gave me an opportunity. And Shandos gave me a job. Um, I didn't have the best experience or the best grades. Um, but they saw something in me. And, and um, I've been with the organization since I was like 17, turning 18. It's 20 some years now. I've done lots of different roles um, over that time. And, um, you know, it was really a second family for me early days. I found a, a community in the construction industry and a sense of purpose that's driven me over the years.
0: Amazing, and you know, I'd love to talk more about your programs moving forwards. But I, I do want to circle back to, um, you know, some of the programs you guys are essentially the net zero and, and things from there. When did you guys begin uh, this uh, this this initiative, and uh, how did it sort of get
1: started? I would say that the genesis for our leadership on sustainability started in the early two thousands, um, and for folks. Uh, who are familiar with the construction industry, they'll remember that's when the first lead uh, certified projects started to make their way into Canada. Uh, we built some of the earliest ones in Western Canada. Um, and we did this project called St. John Ambulance, um, where we diverted 98% of the construction waste on that project. And it would have been about 03, I think, is when the job was done. And we said to ourselves, we said, you know what? This is not that difficult. What if we diverted construction waste on more of our projects? And so uh, time rolled forward. And a few years later, we were diverting on all of our projects. And we've been diverting over 80% of our entire enterprise-wide uh, waste stream since the mid-2000s. Um, and so that was the beginning of, uh, of the sustainability movement. And we won some awards uh, for that work. And uh, we started to do more and more deep green projects. We built some net zero buildings, and uh, we became B Corp certified in um, I'm going to say 2015. And roughly half of the B Corp certification relates to how we, as an organization, um, uh, respond to the climate crisis. And so um, we recently, you know, went deep on our supply chain. Wanted to understand what our what our footprint is. And uh, made a commitment to be uh, net zero by 2040. And so I, I guess long answer to your question, um, a bit of an evolution over time uh, in the organization. Uh, but we're deeply committed to sustain- sustainability. Well, I truly appreciate
0: that. I, I feel going through school and taking some of those early business courses, they really talk to you about the triple bottom line, right? And, and moving mm. over to more social, uh, ecological thought, and, and thinking about going further than always the financial bottom line. Now, you need to keep that in practice all the time, right? Because you need to be able to uh, move sustainably forwards. And as a B Corp, we love to see that. I, I also saw that you uh, are rated one of the top um, B Corps for workers in 2016, 2017, and 2021 yeah. B Corp directory, which is that's simply amazing. So um, the reason why I brought up the, the net zero and sustainability aspect is that's only some of the B Corp, as you've mentioned. Hmm. How else are you moving the needle in terms of, you know, things like gender diversity, indigenous relations and, and helping out at-risk youth.
1: Yeah. So let me just uh, unpack a couple of things there. So, so one of the most uh, impactful things that we as general contractors can do is uh, relates to our supply chain. So uh, we'll do 940 million of sales this year. Uh, We've got 600 and some employees Um, and um, apparently we'll do 940 million of sales this year. We've got 500 some employees And, um, but the interesting thing is that every day in Canada, something like 2000 people put their work boots on and go to work on our job sites, uh, because we sub a lot of the work. And um, so generals have this big supply chain. um, And we're really interested in how we can use our supply chain as a force for good. We can push subcontracting. To, uh, subco- uh, to suppliers and subcontractors that are owned by members of equity-seeking groups or owned by indigenous um, entrepreneurs, um, we can encourage our suppliers uh, to move the needle on gender diversity in their workforce. Uh, we're a significant buyer of these services, and so that, to me, is one of the most powerful ways uh, we can move the needle on these sorts of things.
0: Fantastic! Uh, I absolutely love that, and you know, my background stems from working in the non-profit. Uh, area and we uh, worked for a small charity called Can You Canada. Uh, they've been on one of the first, uh, our first season, and they were less privileged individuals who are you know, just given a step behind when they're starting in life. And one of the programs that I worked with was trying to get them on board for a job. You know, we did a summer summer program. um, And, you know, it's working with their resumes and trying to get them job experience, volunteering here and there. Um, But really it is that sort of employer taking the first step and say, you know what, let's give you an opportunity. And, you know, reading about your story, that was the opportunity that you were, you were given say, Hey, let's go with this. Let's give you an opportunity to really join on, to learn and, you know, to understand what we're all about as an organization. So I love hearing about organizations like yourself who are giving that time and giving that effort and creating those programs for uh, the at-risk youth. Um, but also moving forwards, I, you know, I'm just curious of any stories of impact that have really come from these, these programs and the subcontracting that you've done. Are there anybody who's really stood out to you?
1: Oh Um, yeah. Let's come back. Yeah. Yeah. I could give you probably dozens of examples. Um, before I give you an example, I'll just unpack kind of the, you know, the, the opportunity in the construction industry. Uh, So our industry is what I call one of the last escalators to the middle class, and so, um, you know, we can hire anyone to push a broom for $18 an hour on our job sites. Let's hire that kid who's riding the bus three hours a day, back and forth uh, to high school, working two minimum wage jobs, trying to put food on the table for a brother or a sister because mom and dad aren't around. Let's hire that kid. And then when we do that, they, they're, they're, they're very loyal. They're thankful for the opportunity they've been given. We put those individuals who are interested in our apprenticeship programs Apprentice carpenters, you know, on average, it depends on what year you are in the program, uh, they make 24 bucks an hour on average. And most general contractors in Canada pay for their folks to go to trade school. So, you know, you start as a laborer, we put you in the apprenticeship program, we pay for your education, you're making 24 an hour. Four years later, you're a Red Seal carpenter, and Red Seal carpenters are 38.50 an hour straight time, um, up over 40 in Toronto. That's over $100,000 a year, and it costs us nothing uh, to do that. We are going to hire those people anyways. And so um, that kind of gets at the opportunity that we have as an organization. Um, And then related to that, uh, we have a labor crisis in the construction industry. Uh, There's something like 1.5 million people working in the Canadian construction industry right now, according to Stats Canada. And uh, BuildForce Canada, who's probably the leading organization for forecasting labor demands is forecasting 700,000 of that 1.5 million will retire within the decade. So by 2030, that's 46% of our industry is going to go poof. And when's the last time you talked to a 13-year-old kid who's excited about being a plumber? Um, So there's just these great opportunities to impact society and solve our challenge as an industry in terms of labor.
0: So over those past, uh, I'll, I'll say 10 years, what, uh, what story has really stood out to you, uh, in terms of hiring some of those, uh, individuals to be part of those programs?
1: Yeah. So, so, um, we have an individual working on one of our sites, um, in Ontario and, um, he's a, a Syrian refugee, uh, fleeing, you know, a civil war, uh, settled in Canada, uh, could barely speak, uh, the language, um, applied himself really hard. Uh, got to a functioning level on that um, actually has quite a, quite a high degree of education from, from Syria. And we hired him through one of the social enterprises that we partner with. And he's working on one of our job sites as a project uh, coordinator, field engineer. Um, and I can tell you, like, we actually have to say to him, you know, it's time to go home, like go home, take some, take some time off, take a rest, He's just so thankful for the opportunity and frankly blows the doors off of most of our other coordinators in terms of the dedication to the work. And so that's just one great example that I could point to.
0: i love to hear that. And a part of the reason is, you know, you're giving that person purpose, right? Mm -hmm. They're going that step further and you're saying, hey, let's give you the opportunity to really thrive. And I love to see that he's doing that. And as uh, he probably knew he would as well. Um, And that's why we're really happy to have you on the podcast today. You know, this is a conversation where we're trying to inspire others and to have these conversations on how they can give back and how you've gone a little bit further and you've sort of applied your organization to uh, simply do more than, you know, right to check out the community or or sponsor this event is you're using your skills uh, and your programs to best leverage uh, how you can give back. So, I um, just want to sort of make a note to that, just how awesome, and for some of our listeners out there, it's these simple programs that you can go and explore to learn more and, and listen to these conversations and have these conversations with people to, to learn how you can best assist in your community. Now, I want to specifically target, uh, you know, we have a partnership with Norquest College, um, which is Alberta's Indigenous Construction Career Center. Mm. That's something that you hire for craft workers and construction professionals. You've also done a lot of work with United Way, Habit for Humanity, Boys and Girls Clubs are there any organizations that really stand out to you for the work that they're doing and how you're uh, helping uh, drive them forwards? Uh,
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we have strong relationships with organizations all across Canada. Um, I I would say our relationship with United Way is uh, one of the longest standing and we run a campaign every year and, you know, that's more traditional CSR, you know, run a campaign. We do a match with our employees giving Um, We stroke a check. And I think that's great. And I think that that continues to be an important part uh, of the ecosystem. Uh, Some of our other partnerships, uh, an example would be Embers in Vancouver. Embers is a day labor organization and we partner with them and we hire people uh, through their organization. And after a period of time, uh, we have the ability to bring those folks onto our payroll And so um, they're solving uh, a social challenge um, with the work that they do with individuals in Vancouver, and they're helping us uh, with an employment challenge. So that's a great combination. Uh, There's another organization in Calgary called Momentum, a very similar uh, sort of arrangement. Jeff Loomis is the executive director. And, you know, Alberta Indigenous Construction Career Center um, in Edmonton, is uh, it's essentially a job board, and it's a way for us to get connected to Indigenous um, workers who are interested in careers in the construction industry. What I would say for the listeners out there is that you would be amazed at the depth of the social enterprise ecosystem when you start to go peel the onion back and go looking for organizations that might be able to support uh, your strategy as a business. Uh, There's a lot of depth out there, and uh, it's just great to connect with them.
0: That's uh, very timely. We just had a conversation last week with Sean Loney. uh, There you go. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And uh, he's doing some incredible stuff. And he alluded to in Scotland, you know, they have over hundreds of social enterprises uh, to count name from. And, you know, in Canada, we've got to get that going more, especially, you know, in indigenous like communities where there's so much potential to tap into. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So I love to hear that some of those social enterprises you guys are are working with and can you that partnership that win, 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 right? Yeah, it's, it's going to help everyone moving forwards.
1: Yeah, I'd also add um, one of the things that's happening in Canada is this movement called social procurement. And, um, you know, it's, it's something that the tech companies in the US are waking up to, as well as the. You know, the institutional investors, uh, pension funds and the like, uh, government of Canada, government of uh, Scotland in particular, uh, government of Australia is moving towards a procurement policy where, say, pick a number, 15% or 20% of the selection criteria for hiring a contractor like Shandos is based on what social good that contractor can achieve through the infrastructure spend on the project. And so um, I just think it's great that uh, government is fulfilling this function where they can raise the floor, so to speak, and create demand uh, for great social enterprises like Embers through organizations such as Shandos. I think it's a key role that government plays.
0: Completely agree. Um, Because government does play a role as sort of management experts, but really it comes down to the businesses and the social enterprises to fully help realize those resources Uh, And the governments play a huge role in in helping coordinate and manage. Well, we can't leave all the impact for them to do. Um, It's huge to have uh, these social enterprises um, really growing and and evolving in Canada. Um, Goals for the future. Uh, What do you have for Shandos
1: Construction? Where do you guys want to see yourself uh, moving forwards? Well, I think the, uh, you know, like broad strokes as an organization, um, we want to grow and we want to grow because it provides opportunity for our employee owners Um, So that's first and foremost. Um, And so when we grow at an organic growth rate of 12 or 15% a year, something like that, um, and you spool that out, we're going to double the size of this organization in the next seven to 10 years. And, you know, we've got 500 and some employees now. So you double that, but with baby boomer retirements and natural churn, we're going to hire say a thousand people um, in the next seven to 10 years and what a great opportunity for us to move the needle on diversity! And imagine if twenty percent of our workforce were, was comprised of those kids that we gave a chance, who blow the doors off of most anyone else in terms of productivity. What could we do with that kind of a workforce as an organization? I think that's the real opportunity for us. Oh, that's awesome! I,
0: I love that. And thinking of all those, you know, all the potential people that you are serving there and, and helping, you know, one person and one of their small actions to be able to get that job and help a family and continue that growth, that community impact mm. will be astronomical when you guys go there. So uh, good success in that. I, I would like to know though, some of the obstacles that stand in the way of getting there for you.
1: Yeah, I would say, you know, there was so, actually quite a bit of pushback from the construction industry early days uh, in the conversation around social procurement. Um, I think that that pushback was rooted in um, ignorance in terms of, what the ask actually was at one point. Um, and I'll, you know, not repeat the name of the organization to protect <laughs> the innocent, so to speak. But there was an organization that came out and said, how dare government force us to hire those people, meaning indigenous women, LGBTQ, If you force us to hire those people, you're forcing us to hire uh, inferior labor. They actually said that in writing, now they quickly walked it back, but that sort of uh, thought process is the thing that you run up against this perception that if you hire labor through a social enterprise, that somehow that labor is less productive than the labor than you would have hired otherwise. And, and I think when you really unpack that with folks, that's just ludicrous. Like you actually mm-hmm. think that that at-risk youth who's going to carry two-by-fours from one side of the site to the other as a general laborer is going to carry less two-by-fours than the person you would have hired otherwise? I don't think so. And I think, in fact, it goes the other way. They're excited about the opportunity. They work harder. That's been our experience. And so fighting that perception, I think, is um, has been the most um, challenging aspect of this. Now, now, I will also say that, you know, when we take a poke at someone, um, they fold up the tent pretty quick and back off on the position. Um, so it has been relatively easy to have uh, a more informed conversation and to move the agenda forward.
0: it's It's unfortunate, and I could even go as far as say it sucks that mm. you have to hear that still. Uh, yeah, and even when it gets started, that's unfortunate that people still want to be stuck in the past. And maybe that's because it's, you know, a traditional, uh, industry that's worked the way it's worked for so long, but um, it's still just a, a poor mindset. And I, one thing I want to learn from you is when you do hear those things, uh, how do you go about helping them through that? What is your process to help people learn um, and get past those uh, naive mindsets?
1: Yeah, I, I think the key there is to not um, be angry or to view the individual that you're talking to as somehow less informed. You can't be dismissive. You have to be respectful and you have to understand that they just haven't been exposed to some of the conversations and some of the data and the experiences that, that others have. And so then it's a, um, kind of a, just a facts based discussion of how to think about it. And, um, I find that that seems to be the best approach. Fantastic.
0: And I'm sure you can also leverage some of those stories from your organization. You know, you're a Syrian gentleman who has gone far and beyond, uh, beyond uh, the task at hand, and saying, "Hey, these are people who are doing great things." Uh, let, let's let's talk about these individuals who are who are just only helping and impacting our community. So, um, thanks for that because we do need to be patient, listen, and and help these people um, just understand more. So yeah, yeah. I will finish off today with a question I prompted you with, um, what is the kindest thing
1: anyone has ever done for you? Uh, I think, um, I won't use the individual's name, but I, I, um, I've lived in a lot of different cities in Canada and, and the narrative usually goes, Oh, you know, that city's pretty tight. There's an old boys club. It's tough to, you know, really wiggle your way in there. And, um, and in one particular city, I met um, a senior leader in the community, and uh, had a you know had a coffee and a good conversation, um, and there was an immediate affinity. And um, this individual uh, went out of his way uh, to open doors and to um, advocate for me in the community. And I just think that um, you know. Lending one's power to someone who is in need um, is a really is a really kind thing to do.
0: Our stories that we usually hear from that always have one person who makes that uh, that kind thing happen. So yeah. yeah, Tim Coldwell, it's been fantastic to have you. Um, we've learned quite a bit about the construction industry and and all that you're doing as a B Corp moving forward. So thank you for joining us. Thank you to Big Hearts and uh, great success moving forwards.
1: Great, thanks for uh, thanks for having me.